All right. <clears throat> I preached a sermon probably a year or two ago, um, and I, I, the title of it was Mostly Fun and Slightly Terrifying. Do y'all remember that? It's, I started it off about jet skiing because I really liked we. <laughs> We went, I talked a buddy of mine into coming. We had these old school two-stroke jet skis and I would go out and jump waves with them. It was super fun. And I convinced my buddy to get one and we would ride the river sometimes and I convinced him to go out. And I was like, man, the, I had this app on my phone. It was really for surfers, but it would tell me when the waves were up and I liked jumping waves until I had a herniated disc in my back. Anyway, uh, I got old. So, uh, so, uh, so I talked to him into going out there, and it was the funniest thing because the whole time he was like, are you sure about this? Are you sure about this? He's like, man, it's going to be so much fun. Trust me, trust me, trust me. We get out there. No one's at the launch on Dolphin Island. No one's at the launch. The camera crews are out there. It's like a small craft advisory. We're on the, we're on the smallest crafts that exist. And I was like, trust me, it's going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. And we went out the whole way out there. He's like, the whole time he's stressed out or whatever. We finally get to the point where the waves break, where I know they are. And we start just sending it. I mean, we're in the air flying, jumping these jet skis. And he still to this day says that's the best day ever. <laughs> And it was, there were, there were a couple times when I, got, I landed wrong or I caught, caught wrong and I got flipped over. And if you've ever been in surf, like big surf, because a storm was coming was essentially what was going on. You're in big surf, it just keeps hitting you. And you have to hurry up and get back on the jet ski and get it cranked up and go before the next one hits you. Yep. So there were a couple times that happened and it was pretty scary. But like 87% of the time, it was the best day ever. <laughs> or a couple near-death experiences, but it was incredible. And that's something that so we can, we can talk. Scary. Huh? Partly, yeah, it was mostly fun, slightly terrifying. That's the, be- the best things in life, I think, are that way. And, uh, <clears throat> and the more I thought about this, and I was leading up to this sermon that was coming from last week about the second half of the gospel, the first half being that all of our sins are forgiven, and it's awesome, that the debt's been paid, but the second half is this new life that we have in, in Jesus, and it's exciting. It was, one of those, it was one of the reasons why I got frustrated when I first started going to church, because I felt like I was the problem, and I may have been at some point, but I kept thinking, when are we going to do this stuff, Right. We come in here every Sunday, we come in here every Wednesday, we talk about it, but when do we do the stuff? Look at all the exciting things that are going on in the Bible. When are we going to do the stuff? And I'd always go back to this, and I, most recently, the most recent example of this, uh, as far as, and it's something you have to experience. I can't, you know, I can describe it to you guys, and you can say, well, that seems neat or whatever, but until you're out there and, like, feeling that, the only other things I could equate to this as far as experiences in life, one, I think I've told you about uh, indoor skydiving. If you've never done that, amazing. You fly in the air. It's crazy. You get on a fan, and you're staring at a fan, and you fly up in the air. It's something you can't really describe. It's awesome. And I'm not like some crazy adrenaline junkie, but I do really enjoy those feelings. Um, and the most recent one, I, as you guys know, I, I buy and sell stuff all the time, and I bought this little cabbie, and I built it, and I sold it. And I bought this little side-by-side now, and it's turbocharged, and it's more power than it should have in a little bitty thing. And I test drove it, and I got out, and I was shaking. It was so fast. And I was like, I have to have, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> this is amazing. And it was that same thing. You can't really describe the feeling of, of that kind of power and force until you experience it. It's really fun. Um, and I started thinking about the gospel and what this looks like in our life. And uh, we went to, uh, I'm trying to get through this kind of quick, but we went, we went through, through, we went to the fair last night and I'm, something really, we were there like five hours, I think. Our kids wanted to go and ride the rides and do all the things and we're old and tired, and we walked around, and my feet hurt, my back hurt, but in the, in the meantime, I, I like to people watch. Do you guys like to people watch? I like to people watch, and most people watch, and, and one of the things that we've been talking about in leadership is, and a heart that we've had from the beginning, the very birth of our church is outreach, and, and reaching the community outside the doors of this church, and my, not fear necessarily, my concern was with all this COVID stuff, everything's made everyone very timid, and with some good reason, we want to be careful, we want to love people, and, and not just be reckless for the sake of being reckless, but at the same time, there's, you know my heart, there's such an inherent danger in this prolonged social distancing. We need touch. We need 
fellowship. We need to see each other face-to-face. I'm thankful that we have technology, but it cannot substitute face-to-face interaction. Um, but I was, I was greatly encouraged by all the crazy people at the fair. There were thousands of people, and they were fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was to see that, and there was one thing that happened that whole night, and it was the highlight of the night, is as I was searching around for my kids, just kind of keeping an eye on them, I looked over, and there was a woman praying for one of the workers there. And it just, it, all those memories of deeper life from back in the day just shot back through me. I was like, oh, wow, that was really cool. Um, and I just thought about that's, that's something I think we've missed for a while in our church. We've really missed that experience of being outside with people, not just in this place. This is, we're like in a bubble in here. Like, we, we just kind of know these things. And I love when we have visitors come and new people come and we start talking about these things. And they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Um, but there's so many more people that we could reach out there that, that need this gospel. We are these streams in the desert. He's given us this so that we can give it out to other people. And, man, it, all, all that stuff started shooting up, and it reminded me of uh, the time, <laughs> another adventurous thing. We, we met a young couple that just started coming to church. We've known them like three days, and they invited us to go to New York. And we're like, well, what? <laughs> okay, maybe. We'll see. We get babysitters and stuff. And we flew to New York and spent just a few, two, three days over there and, and – uh, we went to a Broadway show and we were leaving and uh, we were going to get a taxi and this limo driver came up next to us and was just like trying to talk us in and sell us on taking limos. Like by the time you pay all the, all the tolls and stuff, I'll be the same price. And, I don't know. and he talked us into it and we we're like, cool, we'll get a limo. It's pretty neat. And we we're going to get a, a serendipity, get a frozen hot chocolate. We we're going to do the whole New York experience. And on the way there, we just got to know the limo driver. It was really cool. He told us about his son. He was a musician. And man, by the end of it, we got out and I was like, man, I, re- I really want to pray for this guy. And so we sat on the curb in front of serendipity and prayed for a while, talked to him and cried and talked and it was really cool another couple saw all this happen and they came up to us and we got to talk to them they're like what were y'all doing <laughs> like this isn't normal and I was like oh it's totally normal so we talked to them it was really neat and and man that of all the things I mean the Broadway show was cool and New York was a great experience but what I remembered was that conversation with that limo driver and and being able to minister to him on the curb in, in the middle of New York City and I don't know all that has just kind of been stirring in me for a while and it's just kind of hit me as I was studying what I wanted to talk about with this new covenant what we get to live in um so we, we kind of started a few weeks ago, and we're kind of continuing about kind of what, what a real Christian looks like, what the hallmark of Christianity. We talked about what, what we've seen, especially first coming into Christianity, is you, know, you either dress nice or don't smoke, don't drink, don't mix bathing, or whatever, whatever, you, whatever religion you came up in. There's these, these, these hallmarks that we call. Two of the things that I always get asked as soon as I mention that I'm a pastor is, and you guys have heard me say this before probably too, is uh, what denomination are you? Is the usually the first one. And the second one is how many people do you run? which is a terrible way to say something. I don't run anybody. Um, but those are usually the two, the two main questions that I get asked. I'm, I'm not saying it's right or wrong for any reason. I'm just telling you that's what I found in my, in my experience. The issues that I find with those two answers, I think, identifies a lot of our problem in our church culture in America is what denomination are usually means does, is what you do fit with what I want to experience. Or even on a, on a more basic term is does your worship and teaching style Basically, what style do you give the gospel? It's all the gospel. I think most denominations pretty much agree on the, on the basic core beliefs of the gospel, uh, most of them anyway. But it's, it's the surfacey stuff. That, that's the first thing they ask is the surfacey stuff instead of the core. Um, the second thing is how many people. And I think we want to judge, um, and of course we want more people to know Jesus. I'm not saying that, but we want, I think we really judge success either of a pastor or of a church with how many people that they have. And I think those aren't, I don't see those two hallmarks in, in the Bible as far as what a Christian looks like. So what, is, what, what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? And what is a disciple? It's in, the, it's in the name. Read the name. Disciplined, like a disciplined follower of Jesus. What does it mean to be disciplined? 
John 13, 34 answers this for us. It says, a new command I give you. And we're going to talk a lot about agape and phileo today. Do you all know what those two are? Agape is unconditional love from God to us. It's a powerful supernatural love that we don't have without him. Phileo is an affectionate love, right? Brotherly love, friendship love. There's lots of different ways that we, that the Greek translate love, but those are two that we're going to talk about today. So remember those two. So John 13, 34 says, a new command I give you. This is new. Why is it new? Because he says agape. Agape was not used barely at all before the Bible. And there's a reason for that. It's a new command because it's a new command I give you. Agape, love one another. Each of these loves is agape. As I have loved you, agape, (laughs) so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that what? That you are my disciples. And he says it a third time. If you love one another. The true hallmark for the Christian is how we love. How we love, not just, and, and hear me, love is not just affection. Love is not just a feeling that we get or that gets stirred up in us. Love is real, a reality that we find in Christ and Christ alone, and it's something that we share with others. It is a reality that is supernatural, that is beyond our own ability to do it. You can't love like that without Christ. You can't. As much as we want to, man, we want to, and we've tried for centuries to do it. We can't do it without him. The love that he gives us, he says, you love, or... thank you. I get ahead of myself. I've had too much coffee. We love because he first loved us. Why? Because he had to give us that love before we could love. Um, the, the, the term that really is used even, there, there's different terms used for agape. One is more of an action term, and that's what he's talking about. It's a very action thing. Um, so before we can even get to the action, uh, well, actually, the explanation, we get to the action. Similarly, as I was talking about all these experiences, experiences that I've had, you have to really experience these things to understand them. You can't, just, you can't just convince people or explain to people or argue people into this. They really have to experience it. That's why it says taste and see that I'm good. So we're going to hear Jesus uh, demonstrate it before he ever explains it in John 13, 3. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So with Jesus' realization of how, how powerful he is, <laughs> he is the Son of God, He's come from God, and he's going to God. So he has all this power and authority. What is his response to that? He says he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter. Man, I like Peter. I can really relate to Peter. I think most of us can. Who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Remember that phrase. We're going to skip down for time's sake. They argue back and forth about how much should be washed, and we don't have time to dive into that all all right now. Verse 12 says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed to do them. Jesus is simply living out John 13, 34 here, loving one another. He can explain it, but he can also demonstrate it. So what he's doing here, he's saying, look, I'm telling you, you need to love one another, but I'm also going to demonstrate to you what that looks like. There's going to be a time when you receive power and receive authority, and you don't need to let that go to your head. You need to see how I handle power and authority, and you need to do likewise. 
And so he says, look, I know that I've come from heaven. I know that me and God are good. I know that I carry the Father everywhere I go. And from that place, I'm going to serve and I'm going to love people at the very lowest position. It's exactly what he did. We know after this, and, and we're not going to go all the way through the scripture, but we know after this, Peter tries to do what Peter, <laughs> Peter do what Peter do. And he says, he says, you're not going to die. I'll die. You know, he, he steps up with the same thing that we do. We want our performance. No, I'll do anything for you, God. If, you know, I'll do whatever. If, if you do this, I'll do this. We want to do this transactional thing. He's like, I'll do this stuff. I'm, I'm good. And he says, you have no idea what you're talking about, Peter. In just a few minutes, you're going to deny me three times. And he predicts what's going to happen, and it does. Peter, Peter falls and denies him after that. That's what happens when we depend on our performance. It, doesn't, it, it, can't, it can't hold up. His sacrifice, Peter says, I'll die. And, and Jesus is like, you don't understand the kind of death that I've got to die. You can't do what I can do. <clears throat> he says, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Peter tries, but he still can't understand this agape love. So we fast forward to Peter's, what we call Peter's reinstatement when they're sitting around eating fish on the beach. Remember that? I love that they gather around food all the time. I can relate to that too. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, so John 21, 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love? Now, I'm going to replace love with the Greek in each of these. So just hear exactly what's, what's being said here in this conversation. Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me more than these? And this is, this is literally what it says in the Greek. Do you agape me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I phileo you, friendship type of love. This is his response. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And he answers, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? He asked him, do you love me like a friend? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you, do you phileo me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You see the, the message that's being translated here. Peter wants to understand this agape love, but he can't. He can't quite get it. And he wants to do it on his own, but he, he can't. <laughs> he can't do it on his own. He can't die the death that Jesus did. He can't have this kind of love on his own. And he's trying very difficult. He, he's trying to get through something very difficult. So in John 14, 15, <clears throat> we see how this all plays out. He says, if you agape me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you. He's talking about himself. He lives with you. This is Jesus. And will be in you. He's predicting something that's about to happen. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Hear these words. These are very powerful words. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize, what, <clears throat> you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who agapes me. The one who agapes me will, will be agape by my Father. And I too will agape them and show myself to them. Then Judah stands up and says, But Lord, why, <clears throat> why, do you intend, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me, agape, will obey my teaching. 
My Father will agape them, and we will, come, we will come to them and make our mansion, make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. He's talking about agape here too. These, bless you. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. This is a good key thing here that he says. These are not my words just on my own. For, for years, I thought that Jesus was in between an angry God and us. He's not. This was the Father's heart from the beginning. He says, my Father's heart is for you. This isn't just me. I'm him and he's me. We're together. We're together on this. Verse 25, all this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I, live with, I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives you. I give you, <clears throat> I give you my peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you agape me, you, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. You do not realize what now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. You know what happened when the Holy Spirit fell and Peter began to preach and 3,000 people got saved? Peter got it. He got that agape love. He said, listen, you feed my sheep. And Peter stood up boldly and proclaimed the good news of the gospel. He said, Jesus was the Messiah, and you guys killed him. And he came, and he was the one that we needed. And this love, he's like, man, I can just see Peter. I get it now. I see it. I didn't see it before. I wanted to see it, and I couldn't do it on my own. But now I have this Holy Spirit, and I have boldness, and I have power, and I have authority. But I remember, he says, look, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll remind you of what I said. Feed my sheep. Love those that are around you. Know when this authority and this power comes on you and they all think you're drunk and crazy, you say, no, 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 we're not drunk. We're not crazy. We have God with us now. We have power. We have authority. But we're not, we, we don't speak as though it's us. It's all him. We speak boldly because of what he's given us. Not because, what we have, not because of who we are, but because of who he is and what he's done. Because he created this atmosphere that we can, we can go out in the world and we can change the world. We can change the atmospheres that we run into. This whole idea of going outside the doors and ministering to people, it's not, just, it's not just saying a simple prayer, but it's carrying the Holy Spirit and seeing people's lives transformed right in front of your face. It's an amazing thing. It is mostly fun and slightly terrifying. <laughs> man, when I saw that lady praying for that, that worker at the, at the fair, I thought, man, what have I been doing for the last three hours? Just walking around. Why am I... Lord, open my eyes to see better. Open my ears to hear better. I heard so many conversations, so many things that, I mean, if you know me, you know my personality, I'll talk to anybody. And I love awkward conversations. They're my favorite. <laughs> I, they're just fun. Some people don't like them, but I enjoy them. I like, I don't like surfacey things. I like getting to the point. People talk, you know, don't talk about religion or politics. Man, I'm the first one to bring all that up. I just want to, I'm curious. I'm not upset about it. I just, uh, <clears throat> I, see, I see Peter completely changed in the way that his thinking is because his mind is renewed to the Holy Spirit that's been given him. That's the way we were designed to be. We're created to carry that. We look at this Jesus in the Bible and what, what religion does is, is it tries to copy what we see. But what relationship does is we live out what we know. You see the difference? We're not trying to be more like Jesus every day. You are right now. It's, it's the renewing of our mind to the, to the kingdom reality that's in our hearts. Listen, there's nothing wrong with potlucks and 
all the activities that we can do in church, but I'm telling you, please don't cheapen it to that. It's so much more. It's so much more than Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. So much more. And when we ask questions like, well, what style do you do this? Or how many people do you have? Or what color is your carpet? It's horrible. It's red. I would love to replace it. We just can't afford it yet. <laughs> you like it? <laughs> Who likes it? We'll pray for you, Tim, Doug. I'll pray for you. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll come around. Ugh. I'm just saying, none, none of those things are bad enough themselves, but I'm just saying there's just so much more to this good news of this gospel. There's so much more to, this, to this, this power and authority that you guys carry day to day in work and in school and with your families. I just, <clears throat> I'm just feeling, and I, I, can't, I haven't fully unfolded the dream I had last night, but it was more than a dream. It was for sure a vision, and it was a confirmation of, of the things that, that we've been working on and trying to do in our church as far as outreach goes. Uh, but man, it, the, the cool thing about God is when you, when you really do hear from him, even if you try to avoid it sometimes, he's very persistent. <laughs> I mean, he totally is. He's funny, too, the way that he reaches you in, in ways that are not always the same as that he reaches somebody else. Um, so I just, I'll, I guess the main thing from this, and I, I am, I'm trying to keep it kind of short and sweet, is you guys carry a supernatural power inside of you. Everything from the very, from, from salvation itself is supernatural. Listen, I, I, I say it, and I'm not trying to, to, to think less of, of, of physical miracles, but I'm telling you the greatest miracle is that you get to be with God right now, and you get to be with him for eternity. The what so-so means as far as uh, saved, healed, delivered. It means that, man, you get, you get Jesus right now. You get the Holy Spirit right now. And from that place, you may grow a new limb or a new eye or whatever. And all of that is part of the kingdom. But I'm telling you, all of it is supernatural, every bit of it. I love how C.S. Lewis says, uh, um, I'll butcher this probably, but basically he says uh, either, because I used to have a friend who used to talk to about Jesus being good, a good moral teacher, but he didn't believe he was the son of God or any of the supernatural stuff. And, and C.S. Lewis says, either you do or you don't. Either he was who he said he was, or he was a, a, an insane person, that equal of a man who says he's a poached egg. He's one or the other. He, he couldn't be a good moral teacher and blatantly lie about being the son of God and raising the dead and healing the sick and doing all these things. He couldn't be. That would be a blatant lie. He either is who he said he was, which, is, which he was, and he is, and with that comes some very serious implications for us, especially saved through grace. He's taken all this stuff out of our way so that we can actually minister to people now. All this self-referential stuff, do you see the difference between Peter before and Peter after the Holy Spirit? Peter was always, me, 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 I'll do these things. I can do all this stuff. I can do all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, he gets the Holy Spirit, and he's like, oh, wow, no, God can do all this stuff through me. And, I, and I'm, I'm much more, even more bold now. I'm not denying him three times anymore. I'm, I'm doing the things. I'm out there. And he even tells him, uh, we don't have time to get in that, he even tells him how he's going to die. And he's like, I don't, I'm still going. Don't care. When before, he couldn't even, he was hiding. Don't even see my face near the fire. I'm not that guy. Do you see the difference? All right. Be encouraged. You're, you're not alone. Whatever you're dealing with, God's dealing with it with you. He's not distant because of whatever you're dealing with. He's not 
reluctant to give you miracle. He's, like we talk about all the time, the door's flung wide open. He's not trying to make you jump through a bunch of hoops to get through it. He's the only hoop you jump through. And he's like, he accepts everyone that comes to him. It's the, it's the most beautiful thing you could ever experience in your life. All right, man, I did it early. Good job. Good job, Justin. Thanks, Justin. All right, any, <laughs> any, que- <laughs> any questions? We've got, we got about five more minutes. Any questions or concerns? Nicholas? Hang on. Hang on, we have a microphone. Excuse me. This is for our studio. It's for the inter- internets. You guys on the internets can, can comment. I can't see it right away, but you can comment too. I'll check it out later. Go ahead, uh, Nichols. So a while ago, when way back when you were talking about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, I know there's been, um, I guess there's been like uh, rituals made out of that or whatever you want to call it. Some yeah. churches do that. But I think what Jesus was really trying to show was at that period in time, they walked around in the desert you know, with sandals on, and so their feet were constantly filthy, and when they would come into somebody's house, it was refreshing to wash their feet. So for him to do that was a sign in those times of love, like mm-hmm. agape type, not just friendship. You wouldn't yeah. wash somebody's feet just being their friend. That was very personal. So I think the example for us is let's find things in our time that shows a genuine agape type love. Yeah, I agree. And that's exactly what we're talking about doing here when we go outside these doors. And I tell you, too, the cool thing, <clears throat> culturally, when they would sit down to eat, they would literally sit down and their feet would be right by the table. And it was also reserved for the, for the lowest of low to, to get down and wash because, I mean, it's nasty. You know, it's dirty feet. And if you've ever done even, you know, we do make some rituals out of it, but I'll tell you, I've washed feet before. And it is a very, it's a, it's a kind of a difficult thing. And I'm not just like a super proud person, but it's, it's humbling to wash someone's feet like, it's a very intimate thing that you get down and you, you're touching someone, you're washing their feet. And so I think, <clears throat> just like you're talking about, Nick, it's not just the washing of feet, but it's the heart that's behind it. It's that agape love. When we talk about, you know, tipping your waitress well, things like that, or, or, or seeing, and you can read people without them saying a word. It, you know what I'm saying? If you look at someone's face, uh, we had it when we were, man, this has been years ago with the a youth. We had met with the youth at, at uh, Waffle House. And I could see visibly that the waitress was distraught about something. And I asked if we could pray for her, and, and she was having a terrible migraine. We prayed for her, and it was awesome. And she was healed. It was great. Um, it's those kind of things that the cool thing is when the Holy Spirit prompts you to do those things, what's your first response is to go, I'm not doing that. That's going to be weird. People are going to think. But, but think about that. It's, it's a response to what the Holy Spirit's telling you. It's not the first thing. It's the second. To me, that's like, okay, that's not me. That is God telling me to do something. <laughs> And me saying no is, me, is my response to that. So it's not just me being a, a schizophrenic with several personalities. It's God prompting me to do something, me saying, wait a minute, what are, that's, that's our pride stepping up and saying, what are people going to think about it? Who cares? Who cares what they think? Just like we keep, I keep bringing the same thing up, but it's such a vivid thing to me of, of uh, Paul and Silas in the, in the prison. They weren't concerned with anybody except for that guard who was about to take his own life. We have to see when people are dealing with things through, through all of our other circumstances that are going on around us, whether it's prison shackles, sewer, whatever it is, we have to be able to see what people are dealing with and what they're going through and be able to, to move and act in those areas. Not, I'm a man of God, come see me. No, we go to them just like Jesus did. This is the whole idea of going outside the doors of the church. You're not going to run into as many diverse people that are going through all kinds of different walks of life in here as much as you will out there. Go, into, go to the fair. You see some things. You'll hear some things. 
you're rubbing shoulders with people constantly. And Trace and I had a conversation about some of the things we heard, especially from teenagers. We're like, man, pretty rough. They do need some prayer and laying on of some hands. I'm just kidding. But seriously, like, even hearing the, the types of conversations that are going on, if, if we will allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in those areas, we talked about last week that, yes, the Holy Spirit will um, discipline us or, 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 uh, or, you know, chasten. We talked about chasten. He will keep you from doing things, but that's not his only job. We have, for some reason, railroaded him into only doing those things when he's constantly trying to lead us into good things. He's, he's not just single. <laughs> he doesn't have one job. He is a helper. He is a comforter. He is a leader. He is a person. He's not just an idea or a theology. He's Jesus with you all the time. We make our plans. He directs our steps. Let him direct your steps. It's mostly fun and slightly terrifying. <laughs> yes. Uh, one thing to remember is that whenever we step out in faith believing that we're obeying the leading of the Holy Spirit, the enemy is always going to try to oppose us. Like mm-hmm. the first thing that happened after they tumbled out of the upper room and they were acting all crazy and it's like, hey, look, these guys are drunk. Ha, ha, ha. And right. it's like, wait a minute, they're speaking our language. You know, yeah. so some were amazed and some were ridiculing. Oh, yeah. You know, like the first psalm is, blessed is the, blessed is the, the man who doesn't walk in the, in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Mockery is, to, is a ridicule of something. And so the Holy Spirit, part of what he does, like in Acts 4, when Peter was, was jailed and then he was released, and he testified of how he was released, that, that uh, they prayed for boldness. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, I'm afraid of talking to people. Yeah. Well, you pray for boldness, and, and boldness is not like, um, you know, beat your chest. It's just like to get over the inhibition. Yeah. To be willing to share the love of God that's in your heart, not to make a spectacle necessarily, but to be willing to talk to that person and demonstrate love. Touching. And it's funny that they use they. It's funny that they think that they're drunk. And what what happens? I don't know. I've heard. What happens when you get drunk? You lose your inhibitions, right? And you just you you light you you ease up a little bit. You're cool. You're calm. Some people are. Some people get angry when they're drunk. But anyway, but it is. The, I think it's interesting that they equate that because of how free they were with the way they were sharing the gospel. They thought that they were crazy because they were like, we don't care what anybody thinks about us. We're just going to give the good news everywhere we go. And, and <clears throat> I think that's a lot of places. And, and like you said, it doesn't mean that we're beating our chest and proving everything. It may just be, a, like I said, like a whisper or a touch or, or a gift or something. It doesn't, it, it, they don't all look the same. Why? Because it's relationally based, not just us. It's, not, it's Christ-centered. It's, it's their need-centered, not our want-centered. That makes sense. Um, so it's it's like the Bible says. So many is so clear that we renew our minds. We have to renew our minds. The reality that's in our hearts. That mansion that's been created in our hearts is you and God are okay. Now go go. We've been given what the ministry of reconciliation. Go reconcile people to God. It's like our it's like our main thing. The whole Christian. It's like our main thing. It's what we do. Go reconcile. I got a vision probably ten years ago in youth about. Walking out of the doors of this church, and it was it, it was a vision of a of a it was a huge zipper, and it was just being it was like being it was come together, and it was it always came back to that scripture about the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people to God. When we walk, and it was going out these doors. Every time we walk out these doors, we need to be reconciling people to God in whatever way, shape, or form that looks to you. The Holy Spirit is is God didn't go through all this trouble of dying on a cross, forgiving your sins ascending and sending us the Holy Spirit to make it confusing. It's not what a father does. I, I, I try to 
we, we talk about putting the cookies on the bottom shelf. I try to explain to our kids these things as clearly as possible. I don't make it confusing. I'm like, hey, do this, don't do that. This is clear. Like, love people, care for people, don't be a jerk. You know, I'm as simple as possible. Like, I try to explain. It's, the Holy Spirit's the same way. He'll tell you, don't be a jerk. You know, or something simple like that. It's not complicated. He'll speak to you in a language that you can understand. Movies. I love movies. For some reason, our, I guess out of the, the instant technology now, our kids don't watch movies. I love movies. And even secular movies. Ooh, scary. Secular movies have so many good, like, biblical principles in them half the time without even knowing, especially superhero movies. There's all kinds of cool stuff in superhero movies. Supernatural. All right. Anyway, <clears throat> stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you guys. Uh, and then we'll go and, and be walking, talking temples. Father, thank you that you have created us. Lord, thank you for the breath that you give us. Uh, Lord, we don't take it for granted. Lord, help us to keep our eyes open when we leave this place. Lord, that even as we come together and we discuss uh, who you are and who you are in and through us, Lord, that we, when we go out, we're not just discussing it, but we're living it out. Just as you demonstrated to us when, when you said you had all authority in, in heaven and on earth and, and <clears throat> you had all this power and, and you knelt down and you washed your disciples' feet. You met them right where they were. Lord, help us to do the same. Help us to see that this love, this agape that you've given us is free. You gave it to us when we didn't deserve it. Help us not to hold people to a different standard than you held to us. Help us to point them to you. Lord, you told us to cast seeds, to, to, to not be concerned with what type of soil it falls on, but just keep casting. Lord, we can't even make it grow. You do that. So, Lord, we trust in you. We trust in who you are. We trust in your Holy Spirit. We trust in you as a person, not just an idea. So, Lord, help us to be... Uh, be more aware of your presence in our life day to day and direct our steps in Jesus' name. Amen.